Hey, welcome to Table Flippers Podcast, Ministry of Greater Worship Christian Church in Lancaster, California. I am your host, Apostle Robert Enos. This is where we talk about the issue the church faces and how the church should respond to those issues. Here we will talk about doctrine, theology, politics, social and cultural issues, and how the church is to deal with these things. So get ready for a large dose of truth and get ready for the tables to be flipped. Here at Table Flippers, table flipping is what we do. Hey, we're back. Good to be with you today. Thank you for tuning in. I thank you for turning on this podcast. I hope it's blessing you. It sure is blessing me. All of you are blessing me. So I just want to say thank you. Today I want to talk to you about a biblical worldview. Now, when I say that to and around Christians, of course Christians are going to think, of course I have a biblical worldview. I'm a Christian. I read the Bible. I go to church every Sunday. I have a biblical worldview. And before we go any further, I just want to say that chances are you do not. You do have a a worldview, but chances are you don't have a biblical worldview. Now, in all of these podcasts I've been doing so far, I've just been pointing out some of the weaknesses in the church, but especially among our leadership, our church leaders, our pastors, our preachers, those who are supposed to be teaching us. And the reality of it is, to just to be quite frank and quite honest with you, as a whole, our church leaders have been doing such a terrible job at training us, you and me, training the people in their churches, teaching them, building them up, strengthening them and uh, in spiritual things. And because of this, most Christians do not have a true biblical worldview. We're going to get into that in just a moment. I'm going to show you some real-world numbers on that. But let's define what a worldview is. Now, a worldview, as it comes from thefreedictionary.com online, a worldview is the overall perspective from which one sees and interprets the world, or a collection of beliefs about life and the universe held by an individual or a group. So, a worldview is just that, how you basically view the world, how you see things, how you understand things. Not little things, but uh, the bigger, the big picture things in the world and in the universe. So, when we, if we want to define what a biblical worldview is, it means that we look at the world through the lens of the Bible. And I know many Christians think they do, but it's not so unfortunately that they don't. But a biblical worldview is viewing the world and approaching the world from a biblical worldview or through the lens of the Bible. We could say the lens of Scripture or the lens of the Word of God. Barna is a research group and they did or they do lots of studies, uh, especially on biblical things, church related issues. And they did a study on this subject a biblical worldview. They wanted to find out if Christians really had a biblical worldview. So I'm going to read to you some things, just a small portion from an article from the Barna Research Group. The title of this article is, A Biblical Worldview Has a Radical Effect on a Person's Life. And it says, not just any worldview. The research indicated that everyone has a worldview, but relatively few people have a biblical worldview even among devoutly religious people. 
The survey discovered that only 9% of born-again Christians have such a perspective on life. The numbers were even lower among other religious classifications, such as those who identified as Protestants. Only 7% have a biblical worldview. Adults who attend mainline Protestant churches, 2%. Mainline Protestant church members, only 2% of them have a biblical worldview. And Catholics, this is heartbreaking, less than one half of 1% among Catholics have a biblical worldview. The denominations that produced the highest proportion of adults with a biblical worldview were non-denominational Protestant churches, 13%, Pentecostal churches, and a whopping 10%, and Baptist churches. I grew up hearing that Baptists really know the Bible, and yet among Baptists, only 8% have a biblical worldview. <sighs> Lord have mercy. For the purposes of the research, a biblical worldview was defined as believing that absolute moral truths exist, that such truth is defined by the Bible, and firm belief in six specific religious views. Those views were that Jesus Christ lived a sinless life, God is the all-powerful and all-knowing creator of the universe, and he still rules it today, salvation is a gift from God and cannot be earned, Satan is real, a Christian has the responsibility to share their faith in Christ with other people, and the Bible is accurate in all its teachings. Now again, that was just a portion of their, that article but as you can see, just by the sheer numbers that they have found when they did this research and took these surveys, that the, the largest portion or the largest percentage among these, uh, uh, those who claim to be Christian, but in specific areas, was the non-denominational Protestant churches at only 13%. That means if you took, randomly took 100 adults from non-denominational Protestant churches, took 100 adults, lined them up, only 13 of those 100 would have a true biblical worldview. And that is sad. And I just read what the, the criteria that they used to determine the, these percentages. I'm going to read to you some questions. And these are just yes or no questions. And of course, I won't be able to hear your answer um, but I want you to think about these things. And before we go on, I just want to say this. I'll say this right up front. The answer to each one of these questions should be yes among every Christian. If you claim to be a Christian, the answer to every one of these questions, it should be yes. I know I'm giving it away. But since we're not sitting down in a room where we can actually mark the box, check the box, and look at it later, I'm, I'm just letting the cat out of the bag to let you know that if you don't agree with these questions with a yes, then there's something wrong with your worldview. It certainly isn't biblical or at least fully biblical. Here's the questions. Do absolute moral truths exist? Yes or no? As I said, of course, yes. Is absolute truth defined by the Bible? Yes or no? Again, yes. Did Jesus Christ live a sinless life? Yes. Yes, 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 yes. 
Is God the all-powerful, all-knowing creator of the universe, and does he still rule it today? Yes! He may not rule it the way you and I want him to, but he is still the ruler of the universe. Yes, yes, yes. Is salvation a gift from God that cannot be earned? Yes! Is Satan real? Yes. Does a Christian have a responsibility to share his or her faith in Christ with other people? Oh, most certainly yes. It's one of the commands. Is the Bible accurate in all of its teachings? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Again, as I said, I would hope that if you were sitting down with this on a piece of paper and you were asked to check yes or no, that you would have checked yes to all of those. To check no on any of them really shows the weakness in the teaching of the modern church because our churches should be teaching these as all yes and affirmative. This should not even be questioned among Christians. Such things as, is Satan real? Well, yeah. Who was, who was Jesus talking to when he was being tempted? I mean, come on. Who was Jesus casting out? You, you, know, you see what I'm saying? He wasn't talking to himself. Is there absolute moral truth? Yes, there is. There is moral truth, absolute moral truth. We find them, uh, among other places, but we find them in the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not murder. That's an absolute truth. Murder is wrong, always. Again, does the Bible define absolute truth? Well, yeah, I just pointed one out. Is the Bible accurate in all of its teachings? Yes. If you have a problem with that, if you have a problem with that, believer, then you are in a church that's not teaching you correctly. If you have a problem with that pastor, you need to resign. You need to resign because you can't truly teach from the book you don't truly believe is fully accurate. It'll always be opinion. It'll always be something less than absolute truth. Now, do you see why this is such an important issue and topic? Not just for Barna to go do a research and write a paper on, but for all of us to really analyze ourselves, to really think about who we are as a people and what we're doing as a people. And pastors and preachers, what are you preaching and teaching? in your churches, or I should say like this, what are you not preaching and teaching in your churches that leaves such a low percentage of our people that have a true biblical worldview? I mean, come on. The highest group there, non-denominational Protestants, that's what they called themselves. That's what they identified with. Only 13%, 13 out of 100. And all the way down to the lowest, Catholics, Less than one half of one percent. And among Baptists, again, I was always told Baptists really know the Bible. Baptists really know the Word. Baptists really know God's Word. They really know Scripture. And it turns out that only 8% of them believe it and have a true biblical worldview because that's how you develop a biblical worldview by believing the word of god and doing the word of god it's twofold it's usually about that simple learn it do it then it creates a biblical worldview because you begin to look at the world life everything marriage finances how to raise children what you're going to do uh, on the job all of these things through the 
through the lens of Scripture. That's a biblical worldview. And there are certain absolutes that you can go to and ask the question, like we just did. And in, at least with those questions that I just read to you, if it's not a yes, then you don't fully have a biblical worldview. And that's the point, and that's the problem with the church world today. I want to show you something, why this, again, why this is so important. In 1 Peter chapter 2, let's read 9 and 10. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, it says, You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now you've obtained mercy. So in this, these just these two verses, we find that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and God's special people, a people no longer in darkness, but in light. Now, this is supposed to be, this is like a foundational thing, because what it does is it shows us who we're supposed to be. And because it shows us who we're supposed to be or who we truly are, then that means we need to start doing the things needed to live up to this standard. And you cannot do that if you don't have a biblical worldview. Because although you might have the position, but you won't be able to walk it out because you won't know what a chosen generation is supposed to act like, think like, walk like, and talk like. You won't know what a royal priesthood looks like or how they're supposed to live. You won't know what a holy nation really is and how it's supposed to look. You won't know what it's like to really be God's chosen people. You can say it, but you really won't know what it is if you don't know the word of God and live accordingly, if you don't have a biblical world view. You see, we are supposed to be different. And what what I'm seeing in our day and age is that there's too many Christians that want to just be just like the world. Look like them, act like them, walk like them, talk like them, dress like them, think like them. Even to the point that you go into some churches and it's, it's not even like a church. You're, you're in a nightclub kind of feel or a concert kind of feel. For me personally, me personally, this is me, I could care less about the lights. I can care less about the lasers. I can care less about the fog machines. So a lot of people might ask at this point, then what's your problem? The problem is when we don't just do those because it's fun, but we start doing them to replace the absence of God. And that's the biggest problem that I have. If you can go into a church and have the laser lights and the smoke machines and things of that nature, and the presence of God is still there, why not? But what I have found that in most churches that have that, that's been a substitute because God left the building a long time ago, but now they need to hype things up to keep people excited about church and about being at the church. That's where it becomes carnal. That's where it becomes fleshly. That's where it becomes a big problem. So the reality of it is, I think for the most part at least, Maybe we should ditch the laser lights, ditch the fog machines, ditch all of that um, carnal hype until God comes back into the building, until we do things that are pleasing to him, until we change our mindsets, our drive, how we do things and why we do things, 
and we gain that biblical worldview so we will learn then what God, what pleases God and bring that in. Then, and only then, should we go and say, okay, God, do you care if we have a smoke machine? Do you care if we have laser lights? Do you care? Because I, I don't really think for the most part that he cares about that as much. But when our churches don't have enough Jesus, but we have an abundance of smoke machines, there's a huge problem. So the reality of it is, if you have to scrap the smoke machines and the laser lights and all of that, um, then do it. Just do it. But get God back in the building and start doing things his way, not the world's way, not clever marketing, but do it the way the Bible talks about it. When we, when God is pleased, God will fl flood that building with his presence and people will be saved people will be healed people will be delivered and the power and the presence of god will be manifest you won't have the fake smoke coming out of a machine you'll truly have the vapor and the smoke of his presence and then things will really start happening i want to read to you from second corinthians chapter 6 verses 14 to 18 it says this do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord. The Lord Almighty. Again, we are told right off the bat in verse 14, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Now, often we look at that as the marriage between uh, uh, one person that's a believer in Jesus and, a, and then another person that's not a believer in Jesus. And yes, that could be, uh, that could fall under this uh, passage of scripture, but that's not only what it's talking about. This could be business partners, business arrangements, but this could also be just in our own personal daily life and walk. You are supposed to be different. You're not supposed to look like them. You are supposed to be separate. When I say separate, I'm not talking about you never come around them. Otherwise, they'll know, never know about Jesus. But not entering into contracts, not entering into covenants, not entering into those places where you work hard to look like them. I couldn't tell you how many Christians in the Christian world you know, uh, still want to look like their favorite entertainer. And then you find out that some of their favorite entertainers are foul-mouthed, wicked people number one what are you doing listening to those people number two worse what are you trying to do looking like them and acting like them when the bible is clear that we're all supposed to look like act like walk like and talk like jesus so when we do that when we when we have a biblical worldview and we understand that we understand who jesus is we understand what jesus does we understand what he says and how he says it and why he says it we're supposed to be like him because that's what a biblical worldview leads to but a carnal worldly worldview leads us to be like our favorite pop star or our favorite uh sports star or our favorite actor or actress something of that nature when we really should be looking like jesus acting like jesus walking like jesus talking like jesus that's who we're supposed to be after so a biblical worldview does far more for us 
than just give us some scriptures to quote when we're facing an issue. It defines who we are and it defines what we are in the world. As it says here in verse 17, 2 Corinthians 6, 17, Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Now, why would God want us to be separate in that sense? Because the people of God, his people, all the way back in the Old Testament days, the Jewish people, and now us born-again believers, we are supposed to cause the rest of the world to be jealous. In other words, when we have a biblical worldview and we're doing things God's way, his word will always work in our life. We will be blessed. We will rise above every other people group on the planet. And then when we do, they look at us and they'll say, I want to be like that. I want to have what they have. I want to go where they go. They're happy. They're blessed. Their marriages last forever. They're healthier. They're smarter. They get the better jobs. Their businesses work. And when we can do that because we're doing it God's way because of a biblical worldview, they'll look at us and they'll come to us and say, what's different about you? How come you and I are in the same business, but yours is flourishing and mine is drying up? How come you still are married to the same woman and you're happy and your kids are all together and they're happy? I'm on my third marriage. I got kids spread out everywhere. They're on drugs. They're on dope. They're, on, they're drinking. They're alcoholics. My, my third wife doesn't even like me anymore. She wants to divorce me. How is it that your marriage is working? See, when we do it God's way because of a biblical worldview, now we can point them back to Jesus. When we keep doing it our way or the world's way and it doesn't work, we can't point them to Jesus. Our message, our quote-unquote gospel, doesn't work. It only works when we do it God's way. It only works when we develop a true biblical worldview and live it out. Then it works because God will bless it and everybody around us will want what we have. They'll want to do it our way and they'll want this Jesus that has blessed us so. Because we can point it all back to Jesus. Why is it that you, you think differently than us? Because I have a biblical worldview. What does that mean? It's all about Jesus. How come your marriage works? Because I have a biblical worldview. What does that mean? It's all about Jesus. How come your finances are always in order and your business is always working? I have a biblical worldview. What does that mean? It's all about Jesus. And isn't it sad? We can say the name Jesus. We can hoop and holler in church. We can wave our hanky and we can dance at the altar. We can bring our big 50-pound Bible in. And, and, and carry it in and wave it around like we really know what we're doing. But when at the, at the best, only 13% of believers have a biblical worldview, all of that is just a show. Dancing around at the, Bible, at the altar, saying amen, jumping up and down in praise and worship, carrying in your Bible, quoting a few scriptures, calling the people in the church, brother and sister. That's all just as much hype as the laser light show and the smoke machines in some of our churches. That's why I say I really don't have too much of a problem with it if we put it in proper perspective because there's a whole heck of a lot of churches that have done a whole bunch of weird religious things and think it's okay, but only turning out 13 out of every 100 with a true biblical worldview. There's a problem in the church today. There's a problem with church leadership. There's a problem with our present um, group of pastors and church leaders 
that are not teaching our people, not ministering to them and not building them up in truth so that they can they can live out their life with a true biblical worldview, blessed by God and turning others to Christ. I don't know why this is such a big problem. How is it that people can come into our church, they can spend two hours with us every Sunday, another hour midweek, and maybe other times with prayer meetings or other, other meetings, and still not develop a biblical worldview? Church leaders, we are failing the people. And as a matter of fact, I have a sneaky feeling that those, those percentages also represent many who are in the pulpit. Yeah, you heard me. There's a lot of preachers that don't believe that the devil is real. There's a lot of preachers that don't believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. There's a lot of preachers that don't believe that the Bible is accurate in all of its teachings. Do you know how horrible? What are you doing in the ministry then? What are you doing muddying the waters of Christianity if that's what you feel? Get out of the pulpit and turn it over to somebody who actually understands something, who actually understands the Bible and the God of the Bible. Get out of the pulpit and, and turn it over to somebody who's really going to lead the people in righteousness and honor God in all things. Turn it over to somebody who has a true biblical worldview and can go and change nations and change this nation and bring it back to the heart of God and the heart of God back to the people. It's time for a revolution. It's time that we rise up. And ladies and gentlemen, it's time that we as the church develop and walk out and live in and live from a true biblical worldview. Thank you for joining us here at Table Flippers. I would love to hear from you. You can find my contact information at www.gwcclancaster.org. That's gwcclancaster.org. Please let us know how we are doing. I look forward to hearing your thoughts and comments. Have a fantastic day.